And at that point in time, I still believed that I was going to have another child. That, I mean, even though we're going through that adoption process, I was just like, um, I just believed that I was going to be able to miraculously have another child. This is Elaine Kohanowitz. Welcome to the Imagine Momcast. Okay, so so tell me about um, what happened when you first started to, you, you had your first opportunity to adopt an actual child, an actual baby. Yeah, yeah, we were chosen in the, the first one because we, we were so excited and um, it had been five years since we had started the whole process of trying to have another child again. And um, that baby was born, stillborn. And so that, oh wow, yeah, so that was, you know, just emotionally crushing because um, we were so excited. Um, but we got that, and we knew things like that can happen, and birth moms can change their minds. And so we um, um, got back into the pool, and, and about two or three months later, we were chosen again by another birth mom. And and when after she had the baby, she changed her mind and decided to parent. Oh, so we're like, wow. yeah, so we're like, okay, two times. This probably won't happen again. <laughs> so, so um, that doesn't sound like a happy laugh. <laughs> it does, it go well. I mean, you know, you go into that knowing that can happen, and you try to prote- protect your emotions as much as possible. But you still, I, you know, we're created with emotions, so you still desire and want to and you're going through that process so um yeah so but like again i was thinking okay this one happened a third time um so then we got chosen again you know two or three months later and um this time the birth mom she was pretty young she was 14 or 15 years old and um she wanted to meet us before making the decision that's who i want to parent um my child that I'm placing for an adoption. So um, the adoption agency was a few states away. So we drove down and met with her and wow. thus created um, a relationship I had with her. I think I talked with her at least once a week um, and just worked through a lot of stuff. You know, she, the reason she was doing it when she was so young, but she grew up in a home where her dad was an alcoholic and he was being verbally abusive to her through this whole thing. And she did not want her little girl growing up in that um so we the time came for her to deliver and she called me and we kind of I kind of even walked her through the delivery uh, through the phone and we got in the car and drove down there and after the baby was born we came in and visited her and the baby and they were giving us things for the baby because the plan was once the baby was discharged um she was coming home with us and um it had been not even 24 hours after we had held the baby and that was the plan forward her dad came to the hospital saw the baby and wait was this was this the girl's dad the girl's dad the one that she did not want her child growing up with you know and he just um at that point told her he was sorry and that he would help her raise the baby so that did not go through and oh, so at that point we were there and we had everything and we had helped the baby and everything so that was pretty emotionally crushing i mean i remember going to this baby holding this baby going i know i may be your mom and i may not be your mom and still trying to protect my emotions 
but it still is kind of a emotionally crushing event, I guess, going in on that. So that was the third time. Do you know, like, this is it, like they've signed over papers or what have you? Each state is different. Um, and so that when the baby's born in the state, they had and the rule, I mean, that was a while ago, so it could have changed then the laws. But um, I think at this point, once they sign it, then they have seven days to change after the baby is born, after they sign the paperwork, mm-hmm. they have seven days to change their mind. And then day seven through 14, they, if they change their mind, then they would have to go kind of through a court system to try to get their rights back. But once day 14 hits and they've signed it, then they no longer have rights to, the, 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 then the rights are terminated to parents. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you could have the baby for two weeks and still not really know for sure. Yeah, yeah. And the and the at this point, this agency, how they dealt with that, they didn't even give the adoptive parents an option. Typically, to do that, they would place the child in like a a foster family that worked with that agency. And so then, when all the legal things are completed, then they would place that baby in in that adoptive parent's home just because of these types of scenarios. And for some reason, that did not happen with us. Um, we we chose to, we knew that risk and we chose to take that risk because we knew that if that baby was going to be our baby, I wanted to have that bonding begin as soon as possible. Oh, so, wow. yeah. I and, mean, I know like, in the moment it must have been horrible especially the third time but like in hindsight do you ever think it was a blessing because of her like you were able to help her you know it is because i think the best scenario for kiddos if it's a healthy scenario is to be with their moms their birth mom um because the trauma that comes from that so yeah if there's if that was just a part of that season in her life to encourage her if I was the only person that she was able to talk to mm-hmm. as she was dealing with all this because you know you're a 14 or 15 year old girl there's your friends aren't going through this and if she yeah. didn't have supportive parents I'm like you know there's a reason you know maybe that that I was in her life for that period of time to to help her through that so um so yeah that would have been like a silver lining to a really really bad kind of situation yeah. 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 And I still think, and I pray on that for that little girl and in her, I mean, I still, they're still on my mind, um, often. That's awesome. You know? That's awesome. So, but I also know that looking back on it, um, God kept us in that process because two months later, after that happened, we got a call that they're like, you have a son. And <laughs> he was so our son that we actually adopted, he um, was born while we were in that state um, to, to go get that little girl. But we oh. had no idea because they waited until all the legal things went through and he did not have a home. The birth parents did choose us, um, but we ended up going back two months later and picking up our, our son. Oh, wow. So you yeah. had like, no idea, really, that all that no. was going on. We had no idea. They just called us 
and just said, get here as soon as possible um, one day. So that's how we, we had like two hours to give him a name <laughs> for, for him. Yeah. Cause they had to get all the paperwork going. Um, so yeah. So I look back at it and go, you know, if we didn't have all those little things, like would we have stayed with that agency? And I feel like, you know, there's a purpose and plan. And I feel like God wanted this boy, our son to be in our family. So yeah, that was kind of, but it was a hard journey to go through. I mean, looking back, you can see the plan, but when you're going through it, it's crushing, you know? Right. Like, Cause you're still I'm, having all these about, second yeah. thoughts about, you know, yeah, should we be doing this? What, you know, yeah, I'm putting my little girl cause my, my daughter was five and she walked through this. And so she was crushed alongside of us cause she wanted a uh, brother or sister so badly. So, wow. yeah. So yeah. you finally got unexpectedly a little boy. Yes. A little boy. And he was a sick baby, very sick baby. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. He, um, he's, he's, cried and screamed really for the first 10 months of his life. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, very, very sick little baby. So um, I didn't get much sleep and, and just the issues that he had, my friends and family were very nervous about watching him, taking care of him. And so I oh, felt like I was kind of on my own. So you doing felt that. like you were on your own kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of a, a hard journey, but just a blessing. I think God, God knows what, um, he needed. Cause I think that if he was with, um, his birth mom and just kind of her scenario of her life, what we knew of it, I don't know how she would have been able to, to handle what he went through. And so I think, and, and I just look back and cause I was, I didn't, wasn't able to go back to work at that time, but my knowledge as an occupational therapist, I was able to um, kind of help him with the things that were going on health-wise with him. Yeah, because so, didn't you say that you had to, did you have to like um, do some kind of medical treatment with him or something? Yeah, he was, um, he had severe reflux and, but it wasn't coming out. It was coming to the top of his airway and he was choking and it would go into his lungs. So he's aspirating mm. on him. and, you know, he was, his suck, swallow, breathe as far as eating was really messed up. Um, so he had a hard time eating and, and just because of that, you know, developed pneumonias and sickness and yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, I knew driving down to get him. I'm like, I looked at my husband and said, there's, there's stuff going on. And I called the doctor. I'm like, as soon as we get back home, I let's get him into the doctor. Cause I know that there were, there's some things going on. So. So yeah. in the meantime, with all that, you're still dealing with the endometriosis. Yeah. Yes. Oh I gosh. was, I kind of put it on the back burner, you know, you just kind of, but I think because of the stress of all that, um, it probably just even exacerbated my endometriosis um, too with just, the, you know, cause the stress, cause he would aspirate and he would choke and I would try to suction him and that's scary, you know? And so you right. could, yeah, put my adrenaline in pretty high gear. 
So right, right, because you're probably worried constantly, mm-hmm. and then even when he's sleeping, you're worried. And did he sleep? No, he did. I mean, he couldn't. I finally, we finally found a high chair that could recline like at a forty-five degree angle, and that's where I put him into sleep by my bed. Oh, um, yeah. Because so that of if the he spit up, he can mm-hmm. still breathe. Yeah. And that's wow. where he slept a little bit longer. Um, but yeah. So it was like baptism by fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Poor, poor little thing. Oh, felt so bad. So. So you made it past 11, 10 or 11 months and it started to get better. Yeah. Yeah. He's able to, he started sleeping better and, and, um, just, you know, he's bigger and able to handle things. And, and I had, a slew of doctors that I was working with too, that, yeah, he was coming out, but it was still, you know, until he was three years of age, he was on thickened liquids cause he was aspirating. And that's challenging in itself because, you know, when a two year old is around, they, they want to pick up a water bottle or whatever and drink. And so, yeah. And, and then there's the behavior stuff that started too, as he was older, you know, the trauma stuff and, um, just the sensory stuff that went with that. And what do you mean by that? Cause I don't know if I, having not gone through adoption, you know, or I guess it just depends on the child, but yeah, it um, does. A lot of times, you know, just the, the trauma of, you know, not being with your, your birth mom again, and that ab- abandonment that you go through, um, let alone, um, just how mom took care of herself. Like in, in, in utero, how he developed, I think, you know, she told us that she did not take care of herself and she didn't know she was pregnant. And so didn't tell me exactly how, but I, you know, suspicions and stuff. And, um, but that affects his developing nervous system. And, and so, and just that the trauma does, um, the nervous system. So basically how you take in information from the environment and you're, your nervous system takes that in and then creates a response. It didn't develop typically, or there was, you know, things happening that affected that. So then, um, you're more stressed or the, you know, it comes out in different ways, like in behaviors, they don't know how to handle, um, something could be like for you and me, no problem. And it could be painful for them or they feel out of control or, whatever. So you have a lot more like tantrums or meltdowns and aggressiveness and types of things like that, that you have to work through, especially when they're younger, because they're not able to communicate it. They don't have no idea what's going on. Right. Right. No. So even more tantrums than normal. Cause I like a normal two or three year olds, pretty, pretty good at that already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did your, did your occupational therapy help you with that? Oh, or- yeah. Yes, tremendously. And if I would have done it over again, I would have had a therapist working with him, but I would take him in for evaluations and they're like, well, you're doing everything because my, my background is occupational therapy, but I wish that I would have, because then I could have been mom more than therapist. Therapist, yeah. And I was trying to be therapist and mom too. So. Oh, did you work with kids when you were doing occupational therapy? I worked, um, until he was, I was planning on going, I was working until he was adopted. 
and I was planning on going back. Like they held my position for me, and just with all of his issues, I had to to stop then. So I did not. Yeah, I did not work, and then I ended up. My husband is an entrepreneur, so he moved me all around. <laughs> so we always went to new places. But I did end up working a little bit again after we adopted our second child. Okay, so you adopted again. So what was the time frame between? Well, well, after adopting my first son, um, I, it was it was is another five years because I wasn't planning on doing it again. And then I went through um, some more severe health issues um, oh, okay. after, after um, my son. I wasn't trying to, but I ended up, yeah, going through some health issues again. So it was another five years before we adopted again. So, so in between that time, was it the endometriosis that you were dealing with or something yeah. else? Um, that and other things too. We um, we ended up moving um, to Kansas City, and so I didn't know anyone, but it was for my husband's job. And um, I went to the doctor. So my son at that time was one, so my daughter would have been six. Mm -hmm. Moved to Kansas City, and um, yeah, one, one to two. I'm trying to remember. Um, so. When we got here to Kansas City, and my periods, my the endometriosis, it was pretty severe. But I was just like, I don't want to, I don't have time to deal with this. I just powered through it. Oh wow! But I did. My hair was falling out, and I was like, okay, something's really wrong with me because my hair is falling out. Yeah. And I don't have thick hair anyway. And it was just like coming out in clumps. I'm like, okay. So I went to the doctor, and I'm like, can you test me for celiac disease? <laughs> That's oh, where my, yeah. I know I was just like thinking I had celiac I don't know why I just you know that was kind of the beginning of the craze of the gluten-free type stuff and everything and I'm like I'm not getting the nutrition that's why my hair is falling out so anyway in that um going to the doctor they because of my history they're like we need to do more testing and they found a really big cyst on one of my ovaries and they're like you have to get this removed because if it ruptures you will become a complete mess. So that, that, yeah. So that began me getting a second opinion and then going, I don't want to go through just another surgery of them cauterizing and, you know, it's back in two months, you know? So yeah. I, I researched an endometriosis specialist and I went to Atlanta, Georgia to have a surgery, that surgery. And at that point in time, I still believed that I was going to have another child. That I mean, even though we're going through that adoption process, I was just like, um, I just believe that I was going to be able to miraculously have another child. Oh, and wow. yeah, so when we went to that specialist, he basically was like, I think you're pretty severe and I think it's in, in your uterus, the endometriosis in your uterus. And if that's the case, then you're, you will be highly unlikely to get pregnant again. And so when they went in for surgery, um, they, that's what they found. And I was, I told them, I'm like, please don't give me a hysterectomy unless you really, really have to. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know going into that surgery, what I was going to come out with. And oh my gosh. So, okay. This is kind of dumb, but 
you know, maybe it's not dumb, but I actually don't really know exactly what endometriosis is. So is that the cyst? Is that that you had? Is that part of endometriosis or is this a different thing? Well, the cyst, I'm not quite sure. I don't think it was really a part. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it was a part because I remember saying if you have a cyst, you pretty much are in stage three, stage four endometriosis. So what happens with endometriosis is your... Um, the lining of your uterus, the endometrium, it builds up. Um, and when you get pregnant, that's what gives the nutrients to the baby um, okay. while they're developing in the uterus. So with um, endometriosis, that endometrium is, for some reason, goes, um, it's not in my uterus, it was all over my abdominal cavity. Oh, okay. And so, I've, I've... yeah, so it was like on my bowels, it was on my appendix, it was just covered in there and so it would respond like when I'd have my period it would respond to those hormones and so I would like I would get my stomach would like get huge from all the inflammation of that because I had it so covered like when I had my period it would be like I felt like I was like five months pregnant every time because I was just and I even got to the point where I would get fevers with my periods because of all the inflammation in my body from it Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was like, I have a fever. Why do I have a fever? And it was during my period. Yeah. So, yeah. So that makes sense then why it was just getting worse and worse. And so you had, you were trying to find a solution. Yeah. Well, I, I was forced into it because of the cyst that they found to, to find a solution, but I wanted to find a solution that wasn't just going to be a year thing. And then I'd have to go back another year, you know, and deal with it. So. So yeah, so I went to this endometriosis specialist and and they went in for surgery and I came out, I think six hours later, cause I was like stage four, moderate stage four. I mean, I was covered with it. Oh, wow. Severe, severe um, cases they said. So um, yeah, so I ended up having a hysterectomy and I just remember coming out of that surgery and you know, when you're kind of like not with it. And I remember the nurses like over me going, and hysterectomy and I'm like that's me that's me I had a hysterectomy (laughs) oh my gosh so that was really um that was a hard thing because I still was had the hope that I was gonna have another baby and so I felt like I was a disappointment to my husband um so I couldn't give him kids you know and that I went through all of those emotions with that so hard yeah so on top of just being disappointed yourself with just the finality of it. Yeah. And I, and I struggled with God too. I'm like, God, I feel like I'm trying to make good choices and do the right thing. And why can't I do something that you designed me to do? I really struggled with that for quite a while. And then when I had to have the hysterectomy, it was final. It was done, you know, no more, you know, I'm not having kids. So, um, you know, more kids biologically. Right. So. It's like you have to grieve it. It's just like a chapter in your life that's totally closed now. Yeah. yeah. And with a hysterectomy, my, your hormones are wacko too. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah. They're, um, yeah, they're wacko. So I was, and I was pretty sick because the surgery was so long. So I was, yeah, I was pretty sick after it too. So, oh, wow. but, but that, then began the year of craziness because 
in my surgery, the doctor was like, your liver is really enlarged. You need to, once you recover, you need to go get that checked out. And so, um, you know, I don't know, five, and we had, at this time, we were flying in people to take care of Yeah. Yeah. My son was still, you know, struggling with his stuff. And so I had to like train everybody. This is how you feed them. And (laughs) this is what you do. And wow. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were having people come in. And so I did, I think I recovered six weeks and then I went to the doctor and they found a cyst on my liver. And oh, wow. Yeah. At first they're like, it's, you know, this is common, whatever. But then they didn't even talk to me about it. They just sent me a message and sent me to uh, a liver doctor um, with the oncology like department. That's where I was going. It was like a cancer center. And I'm like, do I have cancer? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, but it was just the liver specialist because I guess my, my, the, cyst that they found was huge it was like um softball size on my liver oh my gosh and so i began all this testing to kind of figure out what type of cyst or whatever was in my liver if was it cancerous was it not do they need to remove it what's going on so i i had to go through several tests and while i was in those um getting tests they because they were taking pictures of my abdomen abdominal cavity and everything and one day after one of them they called me up and said go immediately to the emergency room and I'm like what's wrong they're like you have a pneumothorax a collapsed lung I had a collapsed lung (laughs) and you you had no idea no I didn't I mean I knew what had happened I felt like something like my back went out because I'm you know 30 you know my, I felt like my back went out and then I felt like I had like this dry cough and I remember going, I'm getting, I mean, this was after my hysterectomy too, after six months. So things are still feeling way out of whack for me. Right. Yeah. And I felt like, I'm like, I'm, I'm catching a chest cold and coughing. Yeah. And, but it hurts to breathe. My back went out and, um, but I had, did not even think that it was a collapsed lung. And mm-hmm. so... Yeah. So I ended up, and I actually was at this point with one of my friend, my friend from college that I moved to Chicago with. And I'm like, I got to go to the emergency room. They're telling me I have to go to the emergency room. Luckily, my kids were with my mom, but the doctor was like, I was scared because I knew you were going to go see this friend and I was scared that you didn't make it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I ended up going to the ER and, um, getting hooked up on oxygen and being monitored but it I think I was monitored for quite a while but it spontaneously inflated again so they didn't do anything with that did they ever know why well it collapsed again um just the next month um so and that time I was back, I was in Kansas city. So I went, you know, to the KU med and they put me in the hospital and put a chest tube in and everything. So I was there for about a week, but, um, what they came up with, they called it a catamenial, catamenial pneumothorax and the endometriosis had, had gotten up into my thoracic cavity. And for some reason it was, um, when I cycled, cause they left an ovary in, so I still cycled when they oh. did a hysterectomy. 
that it was collapsing my lung. And so oh it was, gosh. yeah, it was like a very rare, it's very rare, but, um, so yeah, so I think I went through a couple more lung collapses and I called my endometriosis, my the specialist and said, um, this is what I'm dealing with. Oh and my gosh. so, um, I ended up going back to that endometriosis, endometriosis specialist with a cardio deal with that and they glued my lung up to the chest wall um so it wouldn't collapse anymore and then they did a couple of lung resections where they thought they found endometriosis and I had endometriosis on my diaphragm and all this stuff it's just it's crazy I called it cancer because it <laughs> felt like it was overtaking my body but why, why did they after seeing that the lung was collapsing why did they decide to continue to leave the ovary in there if that was, you know, well, caused- that was because um, they went in thoracically, and to do the ovary, that would have been an abdominal surgery. Uh-huh. And so, and I, the reason we left an ovary at the beginning, because it was a, it was not the ovary with the cyst, but did not want to go into immediate menopause. Yeah. And so, and with having to do the um, the hormones and everything. Um, and the reason being like, because I had that endometriosis in there, it still was going to react, um, to those hormones that I was going to put into my body. And so wanted to do it more of a natural thing with that, that ovary in there. Okay. So either way you would have needed those hormones. So that was a better way to do it. That's what, that's what we had decided. And so we never contemplated going after the thoracic surgery, going back for the ab- abdominal surgery to remove it. Yeah. And there's yeah. different thoughts on that. Cause there's some doctors that they're like, why did you do that? I'm like, well, I, I just didn't feel like it was going to be any different. Um, right. Yeah. For me. So, yeah. Okay. Maybe yeah. we'll stop right there. Cause it's one forty. Yeah. And then we can pick it up. That's a long, this is a long story. It's so fascinating, though. Don't miss episode three, where Sarah tells us how God brings her emotional healing as well as the miracles that come along with another adoption. Look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Hey, guys, thanks for visiting the show. Want to hear more? Keep listening at Imagine Momcast on any podcasting platform. Would love for you to be part of our conversation, too. If you go to Facebook or Instagram, you can search Imagine Mom to join our community. Can't wait to hear from you. We'll see you soon.